everyone, and hi folks, and welcome to Jersnet Independent Readers Podcast by fans, for fans, where all your content is absolutely free, coming to you in association with Forest Precision Engineering. My name's Alec Anderson, and I'll be your host tonight, uh, Tuesday the 7th of March 2023, for the 251st episode of the pod, in which we'll preview tomorrow night's SPFL Premiership Class with Hibs at Easter Road, have a brief chat about Saturday's 3-1 home win over Derek McInnes' concomitant Kelly, uh, and analyse the antipathy between some sections of the Rangers support and some sections of the Rangers board. Uh, today isn't just the two-year anniversary uh, of Rangers sealing 55, thanks to a, a scintillating 0-0 draw between the United and Celtic at Tannadice. It's also five years to the day since uh, the very first Jersnet podcast went out on YouTube. So it's a big happy birthday to us. Uh, we've recently surpassed the 6,000 subscribers mark and we're approaching 1 million views on YouTube. If you add this to the, the 20,000 plus followers on Frankie's uh, Jersnet online Twitter feed and the, the brilliant jersnet.co.uk website, it's uh, champers and cakes all around uh, for us here at Jersnet Towers. Or it would be if uh, Rangers would actually win something. Uh, this is only my third season on the pod, uh, so I want to pass on a huge congratulations to Frankie, uh, Mr Stuart Franklin, the main the man who runs the whole show, and to all the original gangsters like uh, Colin, Ross, David Wren, David Fraser, Ian, John, Stuart Weir, uh, the folk who kind of thought up this amazing and frankly, considering where we were in March 2018, brave venture and, and, and got it off the ground. Also, a big shout out to uh, Dougie, Scott, Brian, Craig and all my other kind of fellow newbies who came along for the ride. But most of all, I want to say a massive thanks uh, to you folks, the Jersnet community, without who it just wouldn't be possible or, frankly, worth it. Thanks to every one of you out there who've taken the time to watch, listen, comment and support the pod by sharing the word on social media. Here's to the next five years and uh, I'll have a corner piece of birthday cake, please, because that's usually got the, the extra icing. Before I introduce my very special guest for tonight, I must mention our esteemed partners, sponsors of tonight's show, Forest Precision Engineering, established in 1983, Forest Precision Engineering is a leading precision engineering and special purpose machinery manufacturer. They're based in Glasgow, but their services in precision engineering are available to companies all over Scotland and throughout the UK. Uh, their website is at forestprecisionengineering.com. Uh, they're big friends of Rangers and they have a stunning new hospitality area uh, within the iBooks main stand. For information on how to book the Forest Precision Executive Lounge, a unique and intimate space, email the club via hospitality at rangers.co.uk. Right, now, uh, this is the part of the evening I, I've got to say I've been most looking forward to. Bit of an honour. Um, pleasure to introduce a man whose opinions, I'm, I'm, I'm just going to embarrass him, but I, say, I have to say I've got particular respect for this guy's opinions. I think he always nails it. Uh, I always want to know what his take is on all matters Rangers. And as an absolute gentleman who, when I started in this pod, as a kind of wet behind the ears, 51-year-old, made me feel right at home when uh, bullies like Ross Bennett, David Wren and Colin Biffer Armstrong were kind of stealing my lunch money and shoving my, shoving my head in the Jersnet toilet. Uh, a man who I hope is the detectors fitted in his house where the smoke and blown up his ass. It's uh, Mr. David Fraser. David, how are you, sir? Thanks very much. Alec, for that glowing uh, approval rating tribute to my good <laughs> uh, No, I'm, I'm, I'm not bad, Alec. Um, chatting a bit to discuss all matters Rangers as, as per usual. Uh, like you, it seems like yesterday that uh, the original crowd of guys started the, the pod back when the well, it was Graham Murray, he'd been his services had been dispensed. I think Jimmy Nichol was, was temporarily in charge when we kicked it all off. So God, time God. flies when you're having fun. It's one of the it's one of the games I thought of it when we were um just looking at the Hibs uh, tomorrow night, Easter Road, that five each game. That's probably one of my <laughs> when Jimmy yeah. Nick was on the was on the bench uh, 
he was in the dugout that day. That was that was that was a howler. That's that's what I mean by by brave. It's um, say when I came along, we were setting up for fifty five. I'm like a a glory hunter. Uh, how's you're looking back on it? What was your kind of favourite moment on the pod to date? You know, like my favourite game to review, perhaps on a Sunday night, or the kind of big, the best match to preview. What was the kind of best laugh you've had on the Ooh. pod so far? You'd say. I'm trying to I'm trying to think. Um, something that I've been in that many. Like uh, I think probably the best one, and this will sound completely, uh, completely daft here. Probably the, the point that everybody was going to celebrate winning the league, uh, and unfortunately I wasn't on it uh, because my, my youngest daughter uh, broke her elbow that day, and I was uh, in the hospital for most I'd of the say. day. So I missed it, and it was you know of all the the, the pods to miss it, and uh, but I listened to it back, and it was, it was obviously a good pod. <laughs> I uh, had a few um, European nights that we've kind of discussed. They probably be the highlights, Alec. Um, but I like, you know, getting good uh, good chat and, and talking about uh, stuff that's, you know, maybe doesn't get a lot of coverage in the mainstream media. That was that was my intention to, when I joined the pod team, was, was to maybe shine a light there, you know, the, our, how should we put it? Uh, Less than friendly uh, actors in the Scottish mainstream media, but you know, weren't really going to give us a fair shake. That was that was my uh, that was my reason for for going to be part of the Jersey podcast team. So, aye, it's all good. Let's hope that you know the next five years are a wee bit more successful than the last one. Aye, let's do that, man. Exactly, exactly. Well said. Um, so, I don't, the, the lads dealt with it properly on Sunday's Sunday's main show just passed. Um, which is still available to listen to wherever you get your uh, wherever you get your, your pods, but while we still wait for that relatively kind of complete Ibrox performance under Michael Beale, David, w- w- were you generally pleased with the way it went against Kilmarnock? You know, if we're going to slack off in games, was it at least nice to see us get it like the right way around, doing the kind of the major damage to Kelly in the first half before you know taking the foot off the gas in the second? Well, I can see where you're coming from. Obviously, I think the manager uh, got the response he's probably looking for in the first half. Uh, to go out and score three goals in the first half it was, you know, uh, it would be probably typical of uh, a Rangers side playing at home and playing well at home because we have a similar-ish vintage. You know, a lot of Rangers supporters uh, would tend to expect that Rangers against most teams in the Scottish Premier League should be two and a half at half time. Against against most teams, that's, that's no disrespect to Kilmarnock. For by that, you know, obviously it helps when when, when sides are, you know, maybe struggling, which come out of I mean, they've obviously come back into the league last season and they're, they're, they're struggling a wee bit to kind of establish themselves as, you know, as a club that their, their size would suggest it, certainly based on the size of their stadium. Um, and, and, you know, the support when, when they're playing well come on. So that obviously played into Rangers' hands. I mean, Kilmarnock are a great side, but you've got to beat what's put in front of you and, and fair play the, the players. They, they played well. Todd Cantor, I'm sure, will come on to later on. Uh, he put in his probably his best performance at Rangers shot today. Uh, starting to play his way in. Uh, I mean, he's not ripping up any trees or anything like that, but he's, 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 he's getting there. And, and the signs are, are promising, put it that way. So, uh, but I just the usual... The usual uh, how would we put it? Um, the usual Willie Collum sideshow, which I see you're about to, you're about to close me on, but I just just another Scottish Premier League game at Ibrox. 
Alex, to be, to be truth, truthful. Aye. As I was, I, I was saying to you before we came on air, I mean, I, I'm not really keen in doing the, you know, you're, you're the same, David, I know. Uh, no keen in, in overplaying, you know, decisions that went for us or went against us. But I just, I thought it was noticeable. Um, I'm somebody who always kind of watches the sports scene highlights. I know that's, that, that's not for everybody. It, um, I just, it, it, it was quite interesting that there was a lot about, you know, and, and fair play, VAR is a big talking point uh, for all kind of football coverage and all channels these days, whatever team's involved. But it was uh, a lot of chat about the penalty that, that we got, the, the handball. And then there was a lot of chat about Alan McGregor potentially bringing the fella down, uh, which should have been a penalty to Kilmarnock in, in the second half. It looked like it should have been. It did look like a, a, a ropey challenge, uh, let's just say. But there was kind of no mention on either Saturdays or Saturdays. And this is why I hate talking this stuff, because I sound like kind of rabid, paranoid, that uh, maybe follows another team. Just noticeable there was no mention of... Ash Taylor climbing all over uh, Connor Goldson for Kilmarnock's equaliser, mm-hmm. um, which I mean at the time, I, to be fair, I mean I can't, I can't even go to the referees, or they, or they, they tend to, they, they do have this thing called VAR, but I went, I'm up towards the Copelands uh, in the main stand, and I just saw Alan McGregor kind of flapping at something. I thought it was our fault, the goal. Um, maybe we should have still been a bit sharper, not expecting the decision for the referee, but that was the one that got. An interesting one was going Easter Road uh, tomorrow night was. I can't even remember who it was for Kilmarnock. He took the ankles, don't you remember, he took the ankles off Ryan Kent in the second half, just kind of approaching, Kent was just driving kind of towards the Kilmarnock box. And it was only because John Lundstrom had just come on the park bus, there was a boy in front of me who was, was yelling at Colm about it, saying, that's exactly what you sent Lundstrom off for at, at Easter Road. And that was in that was in our own half. So uh, it was it was quite interesting, but uh, I don't, did, did that kind of stuff even bother you at all? Well, I, I think you're so inured to it, Alec. You, you're expecting it. You know, it, like, I think, see where Billy Collins concerned, you know, there's, I mentioned the last pod I was on there about schools, I thought, you know, there's obviously, there's, there's, there's different schools, I thought, and attitudes towards the likes of Billy Collins. A lot of people have got him doing as an honest, incompetent referee. Some people have got him as, as uh, deliberately incompetent, shall we say. Um, but I think, where he's concerned is sticking out like a sore thumb for me was like others, other grade one referees in the, in the country, namely Don Robertson. Well, he tends to let games go, and invariably, by that, it's the opposition taking liberties and, and persistent fouling. And yet, the first player that's booked, no, for the first time in a game that's officiated by Willie Call. The first booted player that's booked is, is a Rangers player. There's no shot there. And that, that to me, sums up Willie Collum. But look, I mean, Willie's, Willie's been around the block several times. Uh, when he came in to grade one, I fishled him at first. I thought he'd be a reasonable referee. And then, then he, he had a purple patch where he, maybe it was a case of he, he didn't have much to beat. But he was, he was arguably one of the best referees in the country, if not the best referee in the country. Same with the call Billy Reid when he was the manager of Hammerakis. He uh, spoke about him in glowing terms and, and, and went publicly in records that he would hear a word against, said what against Billy Call in terms of his honesty. But that's a few years ago. I mean, a lot of wars passed under the bridge since then, you know, and, they, and namely when penalties that he gave uh, at the corner of his eye and his peripheral vision at the parkhead, that was leapt upon. And well, he's really changed his, his refereeing style ever since that point. Um, but look, 
the refereeing in this country is controversial. So I would think there'll ever be um, the type of uh, calm that England's got to a far greater extent than you've got. And we obviously have, well, use, using that England's a problem. They're our nearest neighbours, I think. Most of these watch the, the Premier League and yep. the broadcasters that they host in this country. And they've got top class referees, uh, namely Anthony Gardner. Anthony Gardner uh, and, and Michael Oliver, top top referees in my view. Um, they don't get big games for nothing, um, and they're professional down there. I think until uh, you know maybe professional status was afforded the officials, and certainly referees. I don't know about I don't know about Lino. I'm going to call them Lino's here. <laughs> Old habits <laughs> die hard. Uh, assistant referees, shall we see both officials? Until they might not necessarily be professional, but until we get professional referees, I think. Yeah, it's. I think that's always going to be hanging over the game in this country, unfortunately. Yeah. I think that's what I was going to segue in it with the, with the sports scene coverage because for me it was it's it's not so much. I'm quite happy to accept that referees aren't perfect and VAR won't you know make them perfect either. Uh, VAR is about kind of spotting the infraction and making a semi judgment on it, but it can't make the final uh, judgment on it. But it's not even that. It was just more. I think it's more. Look, you look at Morelis, the treatment of Morelis compared to Scott Brown. Morelis was just doing stuff that Scott Brown was doing, especially early in his career at Rangers, but Scott Brown was a character and he was streetwise and Morelis was biting and he was an idiot, you know, that kind of stuff. It's the, the media thing, and I just, I'm not even uh, particularly bitching about the decisions. Uh, on, I'm quite happy for Kamala to have their goal. I'm quite happy for the, the fellow who tripped up Ryan Kent only to have a booking, but just like, if we could show that against... Know the, the two decisions that went for Rangers that were kind of uh, doubtful uh, in some people's eyes. I think that would help us get away from this just steaming barrel of paranoia that's getting thrown all over. And it's basically a, it's gamesmanship. You know, that's kind of Rangers get everything. Uh, Celtic seem to have to defeat VAR and all that. It's that, that that's not what's bothering me about it. You know, most of the coverage. You're looking for, if you're looking for impartiality, Ali, you're looking in the wrong place at Pacific Key. I mean, it's, you're not going to get it there. It's. Uh... There's been umpteen games, even even lately, and highlights have been selectively edited to, to create an agenda, uh, and where decisions that weren't given for Rangers have been edited out of the highlights package. So it's, you know, it, it, you really need to be Colombo to, to, to realise what's going on with, with producers and editors uh, and, and the BBC Pacific Key building. So, look, I, it's, it's a case of whether you, you let it bug you, um, to varying degrees or whether you, you just you accept it as, as part of the landscape at this current juncture and, and, and uh, maybe, you know, uh, but I, I think it's important to, to take note of it and not completely airbrush it. But, you know, I wouldn't dwell on it too much. We, we, Leopards aren't going to change our sports until there's change at the top in, in the BBC organisation, whether it be at BBC Scotland level or whether it be at network level in, in London, then uh, I think we can put the kettle on for the, the status quo remaining the same. Aye, you're, you're, you're talking about change. Aye, I know, I know, mate. Um, you're talking about change at the top there, and that's going to let, let me segue into my next point. Uh, it has to be spoken about the, the Union Bears uh, on Saturday, in the fifth minute, they, they put up the wee banner. Yeah, I love the Union Bears, I think they do. I've, I've talked at length about this, you know, that some of the stuff they've, they've done. They, they, they give the players, I think, and the, the atmosphere, just a real, a real G up, that, in a way, sometimes that the, the board perhaps fails to. 
Um, but so un as uncomfortable as it made me feel when that banner came out, I, I 100 percent respected it uh, on Saturday. This banner that they, they produced in the kind of the bottom of the broom and telling the, the, direct the directors that they'd taken their, their eye off the ball after winning 55 that there needs to be boardroom change. But look at but Michael Beale was asked about it like yesterday's kind of pre-hibs presser. Uh, and that presser, it was on for like 13 minutes, just over 13 minutes on, on YouTube, and he spent six minutes answering questions relating to, to fan discontent. Um, this is like Jane Lewis at sports scene asked him about the two trophies in 11 years banner at, at Livingston, you know, after we'd had a, a fine win there. I thought Bill has dealt with it all absolutely brilliantly. Um, but it's shaping a lot of the narrative around the club uh, just now. And But the banner got a, a modest kind of round of applause from the stands on Saturday. I don't know how it made you feel, David. I'm interested to know, is it, is it speaking an actual kind of truth to power? You know, or just a, a flex by the kind of youngest and therefore the naturally most militant arm of the support? Uh, well, first point I would I would uh, highlight is, is it necessarily demanding change in the boardroom? I would, I, I would, maybe, I would maybe interpret it that, that they're looking for change in terms of uh, a change attack. You know, they, they, not necessarily, you know, uh, individuals moving on for their, their positions within the border. Um, that's one way to interpret. That's how I would interpret it. Because I think, see, look, like you, I think uh, Union Bears, uh, their hearts in the right place. I mean, they're, they're not, they're not going to vote the vote just for the, for the sheer hell of it. They're, they're obviously, they, they want the best for the club. Granted, sometimes, you know, they, they can never, how they go about it can be a wee bit misjudged. But like you, I'm loath to criticise them because the they do a lot for the club in terms of the TIFO, especially in Europe. And uh, uh, of late at home, I mean, the, 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 the TIFO they had at Armandale was, was tremendous. Yeah. We didn't the flags, you know. So um, the lads are to be congratulated there. But you know, I think there's there's a lot of um, disquiet amongst the, the, the membership. I think it's fair to say. I mean, I'm, I'm not a member, I'm, uh, and I don't know anybody that personally that is a member. Um, but, you know, you could say standing issue and and the likes that's, that's been lurking in the background, and, and that may, you know, you know, antagonise them is not necessarily the right word to use, but it, it may uh, bring things, uh, may crystallise some opinions on occasion, especially when, when there's, there's maybe a raw reaction to a bad result, like, you know, the, the League Cup final. But no, to, to, to answer your second point, is it a barometer of how the, the general feeling amongst the range of support, certainly the home support, uh, that's, that's a bit more difficult to, to, to put your finger on. Yeah. I think it's fair to say that the vast majority of supporters are, are, uh, are maybe they're a bit unhappy with how the, the club stagnated in the last couple of seasons, Alec. And, and I, like, I was on the pod that reviewed the, the League Cup final um, a week past on Sunday. And, um, I don't think it's necessarily that bad result that, that's brought things to head. I think this has been bubbling. It's an undercurrent. It's, it's been bubbling for a while. I mean, we, we spoke after the games, you know, we were outside the, the Coatland and we've mentioned a couple of things. There's, there's, been, a, there's been an air of disquiet that's been going on. And, and, and I think a lot is to do with the fact that in the eyes of many supporters, we've stood still. And I think there's, there's, a, there's an overwhelming impression, you know, amongst the lay person that, that Amongst the supporters, maybe no uh, in tune with the, the nuances or maybe how financial fair play can impact on spending and, and what have you, all that kind of stuff. But I think, in a general sense, that 
there's a lot of supporters think that we've almost like shot ourselves in the foot. Um, and that's, that's, you know, just for the ordinary punter that turns up, pays their money, uh, maybe buys a pie and a bottle at half time, buys a program for the kids, that kind of stuff. That, that starts to, you know, when, when you go a couple of barn seasons, uh, well, no, a couple of barn seasons, but, but when, when there's, you know, when you're underachieving, essentially, that, that's going to bring these feelings more to the, to the forefront of people's minds. So, but look, I think you come to the point, um, does that banner uh, speak for the, the whole of the range of support? No, but I think that you would dismiss that as, as being at the margins at your peril if I was uh, a member of the, the, the Rangers FC board, not necessarily the PLC board, but obviously the PLC board are, are the executives and all this uh, whole thing. So you've got to keep an eye on what's, what's going on at the football club. I think it's noticeable that it's kind of, it seems to have narrowed itself down to the executive board. You know, it's almost like, you know, I think the two, if you want disparate opinions about this, the two kind of opposing opinions, and I've got to admit to myself, I made a bit of an ask myself on Friday night's pod because I was so upset by the overreaction I felt in some quarters to the League Cup final defeat. Um, but I think it's part of, I think you get naturally more conservative as you get older, you get more cautious, you know, and I'm also, I'm thinking, I can't go through another 10 years. If you get rid of this board and then we go back to square one, and I can't, I can't wait another 10 years. And that's not, that's not going to happen, you know. Yeah. Um, so that's a panic in my part. Um, but I'm also worrying that, the, you know, that, that what the union bears are saying uh, is, is going to affect, you know, everybody suddenly leaving the club and more, you know, because we, there was nobody rushing to save us, you know, in 2000 and, in 12, or I know for various reasons, but I think for me, it, it it was just like, there's a few people applauding this banner, you know, um, but there's a, there's a lot of people only applauding it, but there's also, I'm aware of a kind of cheapness, a kind of cowardice within myself, where I'm letting the union bears do the, you know, do them work on the militant side of things, you know, this isn't good enough. I'm also, I'm, I'm, to me, it's like you get to a European final, that's no taking your feet, that's not taking your eyes off the ball if you get to a European final the following season, you know, and then you get to the Champions League for the first time the season after that. You throw a wee Scottish Cup in there as well. Compared to what we've had over the last few years, that's that, that, that's pretty brilliant. But of course, as a Rangers supporter, to, to say that no one in the league, you know, you're, you're, you're content in any way with a season where he didn't win the league, you know, you're, you're going to get booted out. Uh, it's just, you're just not allowed to say that. So I, I think I'm also kind of cowardly letting the, the Union Bears push it you know, and I'm quite, it's actually, it'll work out perfect. Nobody's going, it's like the whole body of the Kirk that's going OTT anti-board. There's just enough that are doing it and then they're starting, they're starting to kind of calibrate their sights and get it on. Um, it's, it's Ross Wilson and Stuart Robertson, you know, that, that, that they're really going for. Um, and I think, I'm worried that some people are just wanting ahead for the sake of, they've got ahead, you know, got somebody's head, got somebody the sack. Uh, but also, you throw into the whole thing that we're accused of not having done enough you know, um, pre-liquidation uh, of the holding company. I think there might sometimes be an overreaction to taking a show that we're never going to let that happen again, but I'm hoping it's going to work out. Uh, work out. And to that, to that end, uh, David, one of the things I will say, um, and a, a valid criticism, I don't know if you agree with me, so Liverpool, uh, Real Madrid Champions League final last year, disgraceful scenes uh, in the, the, the Stade de France, outside the Stade de France and, and Paris, the Liverpool fans were kind of 
treated like cattle, pepper sprayed and what have you. And it was announced today after pressure from various Liverpool fan groups and Liverpool FC themselves, UEFA were refunding the tickets for all the Liverpool fans, nearly 20,000 Liverpool fans who got their tickets through Liverpool for that game. Um, I'm no sniffing at the price of a Champions League final ticket. This is money these people had outlaid. So it's minimum in terms of in terms of any kind of compensation for the horrible way they were treated. But the first thing that comes to mind for the whole range of support today, obviously, is our fans. I wasn't at the game in Seville. I didn't, I didn't go to Seville. Uh, but I've, I've heard the stories. They were treated every bit as badly, if not worse, uh, on occasions by the, the Garda Seville and the, the stewards. Are you a bit, you know, I mean, they're basically pushed to the point of dehydration. They were kettled outside the grounds and, and soaring heat. You know, the, the liquids taken off them sometimes, like medication, prescription medication, taken off Rangers fans um, before they went into the ground. And there was no... No drinks available in the ground. It's absolutely horrific for a European final. And there seems to be no comeback for that whatsoever. Is that something we could be blaming the board for, for not putting the pressure on? Or do we just sit back and go, that, that that's UEFA? That's a, a hard one to answer. I know, mate. I, uh, look, I, I think, the, cast my mind back to, to around the time, I think that the club mentioned that, that, that it had been flagged up with UEFA. So I don't think we can point the finger at the board for not having interests to the, the supporters in mind where that's concerned. They've obviously flagged it up. Probably they've, they've got the, the necessary weight of personality within the corridors of power in Neon as a different kettle of fish. Um, Liverpool are obviously one of the leading clubs in one of the, the biggest leagues in uh, the Federation. So, you know, we are, you know, as, as much as we like to, to see ourselves as a big club, and we're a big club, it's not, it's not as if we're delays grander. But um, we come from a small league. Uh, to the best of my knowledge, we don't have the likes of a David Will uh, in the corridors of power as we had in yesteryear, where maybe um, someone like that could shine a light to a greater degree on the plight of a club from a smaller league. Um, without actually being and they know about what's actually going on behind the scenes from our perspective as a club. Um, that's difficult to answer, but uh, certainly the plight that, that the Rangers support and the Frankfurt support for that matter, obviously we're, we're, we're more interested in their support, but um, I think that you know there's, there should be some recompense offered to the Rangers supporters, uh, especially in light of um, the Liverpool fan is getting quite rightly some degree of compensation. So um, whether that's taken up by the club and pushed forward and later, you know, the success that, that, that Liverpool have had with regards to, to compensating their fans, we'll need to wait and see. But I'd like to think that, you know, maybe our phone calls went between a, a couple of interested parties at, at the boardroom level today and, and said that, you know, maybe, maybe we, need to, um, we need to push the boat out and see uh, what we can get out of the public. Because there's no two ways about it. And I wasn't like you, I wasn't at Seville. I, I, uh, there was a, a glimmer that I, I might have made it, but it fell through at the last moment. Um, and I've heard stories that, you know, people were, were literally passing out uh, with the heat exhaustion because of the, the dehydration. Uh, you know, maybe, maybe uh, imbibing the odd um, beer. Uh, or you know, service, I should say, I'm, I'm 
which is why you if I want that's that's how they sell these finals because you're going to come to these cities you're going to get you know thousands yeah. turning up to, to drink your beers and you know oh, well, it's, it's a carnival atmosphere so you, you, yeah. you can't expect you can't expect tens of thousands of supporters to, to come and a lot of teetotal and then just drink soft drinks but but for by that you know that, that's digressing slightly uh, and no, I don't want to sound like I'm making light of the situation but you know look I'm sure the club are on it if, 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 if they're not, then I would like to think that maybe the papers might pick up on it uh, the next couple of days and maybe maybe you know, just shine a light and see you know, that, that maybe uh, if I need to, to you know, put an old branch your way and, and maybe maybe the Frankfurt fans as well and say, you know, we, we, we've made um, some serious errors in uh, the organisation of our two Premier uh, competition Final showpiece finals and, and uh, do the right thing. Is that as I've obviously done with the Liverpool support? Aye, and you just get the feeling that uh, Liverpool are a, a potential Super League club, you know, a potential breakaway club. So we better we better look at. Like you say, mate, we, we are absolutely an absolutely massive club, but it's uh, just part of the, the way they the way UEFA judge the heavyweights these days is the kind of demographics in it. We've only got five million folk in this country. There's fifty million uh, there to watch Liverpool. But yeah, I just wanted to mention it because I felt really guilty last year. Um, Watching the final and thinking, what's up with the atmosphere? Why is there, the Rangers fans seem a bit quiet? And there's, there's plenty of us there. And then I was hearing the stories. And I'm surprised they actually made it into the ground and stayed there for 120 minutes plus penalties. It was uh, absolutely tremendous in their part because a, a fat, baldy old ex ginger like myself, I would have been on the deck. I would have had a few curvaces, that's for sure. And uh, I would have been on the deck if I actually organised my, my passport and got myself over there. So uh, I just hope something is sorted out, as you say, mate. Um, keeping it with slightly. Depressing, um, depressing subject matter. I'm just going to say this. I'm going to put it out there. SBFL Premiership title race. Uh, it was nice to see us at least temporarily reduce Celtic's lead at the top to six points uh, in Saturday there before they managed to heroically overcome both St Mirren and VAR the next day. Uh, while I'm also happy to know we won't face the likes of Kelly or, or Ross County again in the league this season, particularly we won't have to go back to, to Rugby Park again. And it, we, we took all nine points from both those sides. The fact I can think that is because the league's grinding to a halt. You know, we're starting to run out of fixtures here. There's only, I think, 11 games left to play. I've got to be honest with you, David, I, I felt as if the league went on Sunday at Paisley. Did, basically, did you feel the same? Well, I think it's just, um, as you say, that the games are running out. I think if uh, I've seen that the, the, the result or the, the score, I should say, was uh, on to the 55th minute, it was 1 0 some months. So, I think it's fair to say there was a few uh, a few raised heart rates and Celtic supporting households up and down the country. Not to mention the, the those in attendance at Greenhill Road on Sunday. Until the 55th minute, and then obviously the floodgates opened in, in, the, in the ensuing minutes. But um I look I think realistically if, if St. Bernard had taken points off of Celtic on Sunday, would the league have been back on? Nah, debatable. Would there have been a you know, a chunk of light being offered to, to Rangers to chase them down, yes, possibly if they drop two or possibly three points, but probably they didn't. They look, they're, they're a team who um, who have got, uh, how, would I, how would I put it, they've got, the, they've got psychological security because we've normally been loving them this season. I think if we had, if, if, if we'd, Possibly win the league cup or, or beat them at Ibrox in, in January. This, look, you've been following Rangers for for longer than me, probably. Like, 
least as long as me. You know, there's a psychological battle to be won. And we've we've let ourselves down where that's concerned this season. Um, when, we, when I cast my mind back to early in the season at Tripty Park, to uh, you know, learn to the 3 0 reverse in early February last year to then capitulate the way that we did, set the scene. And whilst we, we should have beaten the Ibrox at the, the Nerdy game, um, again, we, we took our eye off the ball and we made the types of errors that we've been prone to making uh, in the last few seasons, and we, we, didn't, we, we didn't push home. And, and, and put a, a seed of doubt. I plant several seeds of doubt. No, not necessarily seeds, actually. Probably, probably uh, roots of doubt. Um, and back in January, they could be toppled. And they, they went on and done that. So, like, uh, the ship sailed effectively. We didn't, didn't capitalise and collect all the maximum points in the 2nd of January. And, as you say, the games are running out. So, I uh, look, but I'm firmly in the mind that that we should aim to have a 100% league record between now and the, and the end of the, the season. And that means, you know, turning them over twice, Alan. Aye, I think even then, that's, that's the thing for me, you know, now realising that with their with goal difference, realistically, they're going to have to drop points oh, in two more games after that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they've dropped five points to date. You know, I, I'm going to say, David, I, I, even, the, even in January, I thought, no, Beals affected a kind of three-goal swing there for the last time we played them. It was frustrating, but even that day, I remember two minutes to go on the clock, but you knew there was going to be like seven, eight minutes injury time. So when Celtic equalised, I'm thinking there's like 10 minutes to go here. And the way they've been going all season and how you know slow we've been with the blocks in most games, how how uh, kind of generally lacklustre we've been in the last stages of Geo's reign, and it's still at that point under Beal, I thought we'll be lucky to get away with a draw here. They could, they could score another couple here. So I wasn't too downhearted about that. I don't know if it's just the way, as you say, the way it happened on Sunday. Um, I got a stupid notification on my phone. I thought I'd get rid of all the notifications that come up. One nil St Mirren. And I'm like, why? <laughs> and I didn't want to know that. I just, I make a point these days of just tuning in, you know, when I know their game's over, just get the result and that's it. And sure enough, I, I then looked, I, so I had to look at my phone, 50 odd minutes, I must have been into the game. You know, I tried to distract myself with other stuff, you know. Um, and I looked at my phone and it was one each. And I've got this thing where I think I'll just leave it at that. I'd been on the BBC website before, I think. And by the time I checked into the phone, Celtic had scored another goal. I thought, don't be daft, Alec. That's stupid superstition. Just go in and look and see what's, what's happened. And I went in. So it's like one each. I went in and looked at the details and it came up. St. Mirren do it at 10 men as well. And it was like phone through the phone through the, the telly kind of thing. Just, just, I don't know if it's maybe the way I'd got myself into a situation where I'd built up my hope slightly and it's like, I can't do this anymore. But I just felt as if that was it on Sunday. We'd actually close the gap to six points temporarily on Saturday night. Maybe, you know, they'd get a bit cocky after the League Cup final. They'd lost at St Mirren before this season. Um, but no, I, I, I don't know. I, I, don't, I don't know. But hopefully, I'm such a kind of, I get things 100% wrong all the time. If I just say that's it, the league's byway, maybe we'll start turning it around uh, tomorrow night, which leads us into Hibs at Easter Road. Um, David, since arriving as manager, Beal's relinquished, as we'll say, no more, he's no relinquished any more distance in the title race. But he hasn't gained any ground. In fact, the rest is he's watching Celtic build a goal difference. It's a crazy situation for him to be in, I think, where he's he's winning every one of his league games bar that derby in January since he arrived. He's won every every game bar that uh, draw in, in, in January against Celtic. Uh, and yet, the whole time, it's felt like one slip, even a draw, and the league is actually over, you know, despite my opinion. 
despite it not being his fault, it's a, it's a, it's a kind of weird or unwelcome pressure on Bill and his players going into every game thinking if we slip up, that's it. Byways, it not giving him a chance to kind of get his vision going. Is it like becoming a hindrance? You mean the pressure of having to win every game? I've, I've like just known that since the moment he's arrived, one slip up on the league, that's it. Byway, I, I, I see where you're coming from. I see where you're coming from. It that, that, that almost that the, he's encumbered by an unnecessary pressure that, that can be delivered on. Is that where you're, that where you're coming from? Ah, yes. So it's, 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 it's a daft, it's just a daft notion I've got, and I'm not expressing it very well. But like that, I just think maybe he's looking towards just you know he's, he's he's failed to win one cup, but he got he got us to the final. Maybe concentrating the Scottish Cup and the idea of getting you know his kind of vision. But maybe it's held back by Hoven to make sure he wins every league game. He can't just oh. go out there and play the kind of you know reserve players or, or, or second choice players that he maybe wants to get into the team. You know, it's like every league game is a kind of, which is what he's going to have to live with. You, you want him, that's going to be the situation as Rangers manager going forward. But I just don't know, are the players almost at the point of wanting to chuck it as well? And that's why he's, they're forcing themselves through so many of these league games. Right, I, th- I, th- I, think, I think there's a couple of things that might impact on it. I think he struggled for, for, for selection continuity. I think there's, there's been fitness issues, there's been form issues. Uh, that have impacted on, on his, you know, his desired uh, first eleven, if you like, his best eleven. He's obviously trying to ease on his new signings. Um, Nico Raskin being, being a case in point. Um, I see, I see where you're coming from, but that, that's that's the that's the gig. Ibrooks, he's he's been around the block before. He knows what's he knows if he's coming in and. and, and He's new to it. He's, he's, you know, he's green behind the ears or anything like that. He's, he knows that you've got to win every game here, and that's that's the that's the harsh reality. He's a life in Glasgow. And wait, like Alec McLeish, your namesake, put it as best as I've ever heard it. You know, he said Alec, and this was you know a boy from Barhead just. Speaking glowingly about his, his boyhood club, he said there's a, there's a handful of clubs in the world that love the pressures that they've got to win every game, and we're one of them. And he mentioned Real Madrid and Manchester United, Liverpool, Barcelona, Bayern Munich, uh, ourselves and our chums across the road. We're, we're one of the few clubs in world football where the expectation is to win every game, not just league games at, at home. It's, you know, we could be up against the Harlem Globetrotters and there been an expectation that we would, you know, turn our hands to, to basketball and, and football. So, no, look, as a hindrance, I get where you're coming from, up to a point. Um, it's, it, it, look, it's, it's, a, it's a hard walk of life being the Rangers manager. It's, in, you know, look, we know that they can't win every game. There's been better Rangers teams, far better Rangers teams have struggled to, to win every game. Uh, and that's leaving aside the fact that, in my opinion, the league's getting weaker. And that's all I would say. You can trace all that back to, to 2012 and the after. I think that was, that, was all, um, that was all by design. And yet, you know, the, the, the people that were in the room couldn't read what was going on in the room, so to speak. But that's, that's, that's for another day. Um, like, we need to win every game. And tomorrow is a hard away game in the Scottish calendar 
a a last trip there was arguably one of the the, the fixtures. Willie Collum was involved. <laughs> How surprising is that? Irony <laughs> of ironies. Where uh, you could maybe trace back to the the, the start of the how would you put it the uh, the hub nuts starting to become loose on the, on the wheels uh, in terms of our league campaign last season. So, like, we, we'd, Easter Road's a cracking stadium. It's a good away day uh, under the lights, uh, and there's nothing better than, 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 than giving them a thanking. And uh, I just hope that the players are up for it. And you know, there's a couple of, couple of guys with, with something to prove, uh, namely our, our strikers. Aye. Uh, so, aye, look, it's. Our forward players, I've got all to do, and, and you know, quite better than than a than a game that uh, we need to win, uh, and a, and a, a resurg- against a resurgent Hibs team who have uh, managed to get their, their season back in track after the reverse against their, their near neighbours. I I just I was going to try to play devil's advocate. It's a weird thing. I, I just wonder if maybe the players are almost feeling like they're, they're kind of flogging a dead horse since Bills arrived in terms of the league because they'd almost got kind of comfortable with it. They, you know, it looked like the league had gone and they've got a new manager in who they've got to impress. And there's enough of a kind of tension there because that would maybe explain how so many games have just kind of dragged themselves through. And I know a lot of Rangers fans were kind of noticing that, you know, Kamara and Lundstrom, their best performance of the season was the day that Raskin and Cantwell arrived. You know, when they played, we played Hearts at Eastern, uh, Hearts at Tynecastle. You know, but a lot of that maybe didn't the way Hearts set up. You know, things have been the, the, the way we're looking at things now has completely changed since uh, we lost the cup final, and that was always going to happen if it went against us. But I, uh, it's, it's a some game we've got uh, tomorrow night, and since you seen their home skeleton by Hearts in the Scottish Cup, they've they've won four and drawn one in the league. Hibs, uh, they're actually now pushing the Jambos for third, like only five points behind them, and. In fourth place, I think Aberdeen have played a game more than Hibs. Uh, they're two points behind them in, in six, so they're looking pretty good uh, for fourth at least, Hibs. But do you prefer them? I know I do. Look, coming at us thinking they're on form, or do you genuinely fear for us tomorrow night? Oh, I don't, I don't, I don't fear for us in any, in any game in Scotland. Yeah, yeah, I like Don't get me wrong. Like, there's obviously there's, there's certain grounds in the country that, are, that you could deem them as being sticky wickets uh, season to season. There was a period of time that Tannadice was was uh, a bogey ground, rugby parts been a bogey ground. Um, no, I don't, I don't, I don't fear going to, going to Easter Road at all. I think it's that, they're the types of fixtures. Um, and obviously, Hibs have had decent support. I mean, they, they, they rarely fill Easter Road, uh, even when they're playing Hearts. But you know they've got a decent support, Hibs, and it's. It's usually a decent atmosphere. Uh, usually that wee crowd in the corner get G'd up by Ryan Portis's histrionics and that, that adds a wee bit of spice. So, um, and that, that's coming from the kind of diplomatic angle of being a Scottish football supporter. Um, but no, I don't fear for that. Does it play into our hands coming at us? Possibly, but that, that depends on a lot on, on current forum. I think that, you know, can Rangers play a counter-attacking style where they can uh, exploit Hibs' weaknesses? We set up in a, in a, count, a semi kind of counter-attacking formation in the League Cup final, and, and whilst we sprang sprang forward a couple of times, we didn't really, didn't really do much against the, the Celtic defence. Can we do that against a, a team that's got uh, inferior players 
our, our defence is getting inferior players, and you'd like to think so. But no, I would, I would like to think that we would could go and dominate the game, uh, dominate the ball, and uh, keep them at arm's length because you know, whilst they're a decent run of form, and they, they, they surprised me by the margin of their, their victory at Armandale the weekend. I thought it was a quite an impressive result. Uh, I see, Gavin, I got a wee slight when I saw that. Gavin Lovey's, uh, no, David Martindale, no, see what you like about him, he's, David knows how to set a team up, he knows how to back a defence and, and make games hard for, for opponents, especially when the Armandale surface. Yeah. But for by that, you know, look, we should be looking to, to uh, uh, dominate, is that the right word? We, we, we should be looking to, um, we should be looking to take the game, it happens whether it's at Easter Road or at Ibrox. Obviously, they're dangerous on the break. I mean, Martin Boyle's, as far as I know, he's, he's still on fat. Am I correct in saying that? So he's not Sorry, Martin Boyle. Boyle. Couldn't tell you. Couldn't he's tell still you. injured, I think. So, he must be able to still be at the eye. It was a badging. You, uh, you know, if he, he'd been playing, obviously, his pace would have been a worry. But, you know, like, Habs have got decent players. You know, Habs have... Like, any opponent in the Scottish League, even, even, even lowly... Dundee United and, and Kilmarnock and Ross County on their, on their day. You know, these teams can, can, can cause an upset. But, like, it's, it's, it's doing it to us to, to keep the pressure on, on uh, our chums uh, and make sure that they've, they can't afford any slip-ups. Because if we slip up, then it takes the pressure right off them. But, but look, we don't want to go back in, on to the previous point. We should look to win the game. You know, there's been a, a hard couple of, couple of weeks have went by and, and the players owe the manager a, a performance. I know they, they played no bad at the weekend, but they always are, they always are a greater than a 50-minute performance. Aye. Because I think... I, 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 I saw the result against uh, Levy and, and Sartre. I thought, well, we only won by three goals there. You know, Two weeks ago, so that's a, that's a good result for them. But then I watched it, um, the highlights on sports scene, and uh, they were two one up. Then Levy went down to ten men, went three one up. Then they went Levy went down to nine men, and uh, they went four one up. And then David Martindale, I think, got sent off for, for giving the middle finger to one of the officials. It was it was quite funny. But uh, it turns out the, the chap mentioned in commentary on that the sports scene highlights. I think they won nine of the nine of the games they've won this season have been won against teams that were a man sent off. And of course, we remember they they drew two each with us. They only equalised in injury time. We were down to nine men back in August. Our first visit to to Easter Road this season. I was like, I don't know about you, but I was kind of amazed at them because they were just that was it. They were celebrating like they'd won the European Cup. They're all piling on, and I thought, why are you all pushing to? You're playing against nine men here. You should be trying to go for the winner. And I was quite I was quite relieved they didn't, which maybe shows a kind of lack of ambition. But they've got this chap uh, Ellie Ewan. I'm pronouncing that correctly. He's a French kind of youth international one on loan from uh, St. Gallen, Swiss team, who also play in, in Hibs strips and play in a, a stadium with a similar capacity for him that's interested. But uh, he got a couple at the weekend against Livingston. Um, and I thought that was quite a, it was quite a tumultuous game for Hibs. You know, they were, there was a, a big Hibs support goes through to, to Almond Vale, obviously, and they seem to be really enjoying themselves again, getting quite kind of, not ahead of themselves, but obviously getting a lot of emotion out uh, in a way that we certainly didn't when we won 3-0 uh, at the same venue. And I don't know if they're used to maintaining a long run of form, Hibs, like we are. So I'm kind of, I'm hopeful that that will play into our hands. They maybe left a bit at Livingston. Uh, they, they maybe gave a bit too much emotion into that game. But also, the other thing is, this is their first home game since the, the passing of the executive chairman, the majority shareholder, Ron Gordon, a, a man who's 
held in kind of high regard by their fans. Do you think that's going to affect the atmosphere back in their favour, or do these things end up becoming a kind of pressure? I think that the, the, obviously there'll be a minute's applause before the game because it's been the, the, their first home game since uh, Ron Gordon's passing. So I like the, the players are up for. Um, I'm sure Lee Johnson will be, will be looking to maintain their, their, their decent recent form. Uh, and Hibs always raise a game against Rangers. It's weird. in many respects, we're you know we're a real cup final. You know, Hearts is a, is a side show. Um, yeah. Aye, look, it's, it's, I'm expecting a, a, a tough game. If, if we, I'm expecting a tough, a tough opening quarter in another 20 minutes. It's, it's the same, uh, no matter what time of year or what season you go through to Edinburgh or what ground you visit in Edinburgh, you know, be Easter Road or Tynecastle, over in 20 minutes are crucial. If Rangers get a foothold in the game, score early, then, you know, I would expect Rangers to go on and, and complete the job. But, I mean, you, you can't take Hibs lightly. Hibs are at home. Hibs have got some decent players. And when they, when they hit form, they can be dangerous. So we've got to be up for that and we've got to match that. Oh, it's the same old same. We've, just, we've got to go into the game as if there is something to play for. There's three points to play for. And a lot of the players are playing for their future for next season. A lot of the players, I mean, Mick, to digress slightly, Mick said that, uh, or he alluded to the fact that the aftermath of the League Cup finally, he found out a wee bit... Uh, about some of the players that he was maybe had a few doubts on that cemented his ideas. Um, so there'll be guys in the dressing room will be conscious of that. Some some players in the dressing room will be will be still unsure themselves about whether the, the manager fancies them in the long term. So, you know, there's that to, to, to factor in. So you'd like to think that the number one that they'd be up for it, because they need to be up for it. It's a, it's a Rangers game. They should they're paid professionals are expected to win. Uh, they owe the, the, the fans and the manager a, you know, a longer than a 45 or a 50 minute performance. Uh, it'd, be, it'd be excellent if we could get a 90 minute performance. Obviously, that's a wee bit unrealistic, but you like to think that they would, they would play with their foot uh, firmly attached to the accelerator for at least an hour, hopefully longer, and uh, that they don't take their eye off the ball at the back, which, you know, the Rangers have been prone to doing this season, I mean, I've, I've often lamented about the, about the defence. I know they, they, they can have up to trend during the, the 55 season in terms of the, the, the goals against record, but um, aye, let's just hope that they put in a performance in all, way, all areas of the pitch. Namely, mainly for me, uh, I'm sure you're never going to come and mention it, is uh, the guys up front, because we're due to get a turn at them. Yes. Yes, I, I was going to say to Cholak, that's what I'm interested in. Uh, handing two goals on Saturday. Manager lavish praise on him. He's obviously coming back for this injury. Um, starting to get pick up a bit of form again. He was a player sent out to talk to the media yesterday, which is usually a clue. I think Scott Wright ended up doing that once and, get, and didn't, he, didn't he play in the following game. So that's so. What do you think? Big Tony goals. Is he going to replace Alfredo tomorrow night? Is he? Is he the, the kind of going to be the new main striker? Is Alfie getting demoted? Uh, or is he going to play alongside them? Maybe he's played alongside Alfie, come on for the last 10 minutes in Saturday there. The two of them played up up front for about 10 minutes together. Um, or is this the biggest kind of selection, slight of hand yet by Beal, getting getting Tony out there to do the do the press and then kind of dropping all together just to give Alfie a, a breather in Saturday to get him? Because Alfredo loves he loves playing against Hibs. He's, he's done, done really well against Hibs in the past. So what are you fancying up front tomorrow? Oh, I... Uh... 
could I see Cholak coming in the start of 11? I could, I could. Um, look, I think in the pod I was on with, with Chris, Jack and, uh, and Colin, uh, I think I mentioned that, the push comes to shove, I don't actually rate Antonio Cholak, I think he's good enough to play for Rangers. Um, oh, don't so say I, that, David. See, this is what I mean, mate. I totally respect you. You're usually right. That's be that's. Oh, that's be done in again. No, <laughs> well, let, 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 me, let me flesh that. Out. Let me flesh that. Out. <laughs> uh, I'm talking about it as, as a number one choice. Um, Aye, a striker. Look, look. Antonio Chola. If I'm impressed with his goal return, definitely. Is he the type of player that we needed? Uh, given that. that you know, somebody that we'd high hopes for and Cedric Atten didn't really seem to you know, turn the corner where yeah. we needed him to. And I, you know, Antonio Cholak has been a success. He's repaid his, his transfer fee. I think he was, you know, quoted in the press. He's been doing about £1.8 million. Has he repaid that in terms of his goals? He probably made a case for yes. Uh, in terms of his link-up play, uh, I, I think he's, he's maybe lacking. And I think, look, without... Going too heavy and big Tony. Um, when, it, when a club need disrespect, like Park Salonica, uh, let you go, you know, that's it. That tells a story, Ali. I mean, that's not been, you know, no, no harm to Antonio. I mean, he's, he's a good, good, good player, by all accounts, a solid professional. Uh, and he can score goals. I mean, he, but then I think the system that he was brought into play has obviously been out the window. Um, and is, is, he, is he going to? get the necessary time to adapt to that. I mean, I've I, I seen a tweet where he, he, I think it was on the official club Twitter feed that he, he's looking to um, to ameliorate his game, to, to improve on his link-up play. So he's obviously taking on board at Max Stadium that what I need, and it would be, would be uh, or I being, uh, being Michael Beal, what he needs Antonio to the role he needs to, to perform in the side. If he can 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 uh, take on the mantle of how Alfie has played in the past in terms of running channels, uh, rolling defenders, and, and being a general nuisance, then the case for Antonio Chola allied his goal return and, he, and his poacher's instinct. You know, he's, he's, he's got probably more of a poacher's instinct than, than Alfredo Morelos, to be fair to him. Then the case for, for, for starting Antonio Chola and him being the number one striker going forward will only gather a pace. But, you know, there's obviously the, the, the kind of drop off in terms of his overall game um, that would possibly legislate against that. Then to, to, to home in on our, our favourite um, native of Colombia, uh, likes a goal against Hibs, as you say, likes a, likes a noise up with the Hibs defenders. Uh, isn't he shy about um, gesturing towards their supporters, which you know, given their behaviour, is you know, Aye. is understandable. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, would I play him? Uh, I know he was. He had Frankie's. Uh, he was written Frankie's nothing there a couple of <laughs> uh, days back. Um, I look. Alfie's got oil proof. Uh, can he do it? Can he? Can, I mean, Alfie could come into the team and sprint like he did at Tynecastle, which was a bit of a shock to the system, given his, his previous outings. Uh, and he could he could win the game himself if, if selected. So look, whoever plays, uh, I would hope I like to, to um, the other guy that's running in his contract. Uh, I'd like to think that we're running a performance out, and it will result in chance chances created, Alec. 
and Rainey, luck, chances, gobble got and taken. And where and where those chances start? Uh, midfield. Tillman seems Ooh. to be out till Wraith at the weekend. Only question for me after we sort out the front three, which we, I think we just have, mate, is what we think both Raskin and Jack, you think they're going to be fit enough to start two games in the bounce? I think they look like a quite a tidy week and a sitting two. Or do you think we're going to go back to taking a Lundstrom and or Kamara as part of that holding two? Because Cantwell, surely, he's, he's got to be a shoe in after that performance on Saturday, hasn't he? I would say that the, the Todd Cantwell's got to be one of the first names of the team's yet. Uh, given his performance. Um, I'll caveat what I'm about to say. Um, I am still remain convinced, I, I I'm remain to be convinced about his, uh, whether he'll, he'll deliver the, the necessary goods to Cantwell, but you know, he, he's playing his way in, played well on Saturday. Uh, you like to think that he'll, he'll, he'll improve further in, uh, tomorrow evening. Uh, so he'd be one of the first names of the team sheet. Nico Raskin, similarly. Uh, Ryan Jack played well. Uh, looked as though, you know, this type of performance, and, and again, I'll caveat by mentioning where Kamara are in the league. The type of performance that Ryan Jack put in would, uh, would tend to point to, you know, what are a lot of people wondering about why we might be foolish enough on a, a new deal? Because I thought he put in a, a typical Ryan Jack performance. Uh, whilst no, he's, he's absolute best. Um, he was looking, you know, like his old self, you know, didn't get the ball away, no spirit to go. But looked to, in the first uh, 20, 25 minutes, looked quite comfortable running with the body's feet. Uh-huh. Um, that ally to Nico Raskin in terms of playing the ball forward, then, you know, that midfield pairing would tend to. Pick itself, I would say, based on assuming that you know fitness allows, uh, we pick itself given the, the weekend's performance. I think it was quite noticeable when uh, John Lundstrom came on the park. Uh, and again, this isn't a direct criticism of John. It's, it's uh, John's, a, John's a decent player, I think he, he can be uh, maybe deployed a wee bit better than how we've been deploying him of late. I think we could, if, if we could fit him into this aside where uh, he can bring his best to the side in the in the manner that he did in the games against Leipzig and Dortmund last season. I know they were, a lot of people would say hey, they, they're, they're just one off, some are flukes and what have you. And, and, and you find it hard to argue with people at that point of view. But I think, you know, last half full approach, uh, John can be good. But I think it was quite noticeable when he came on. It was back to a lot of the sideways stuff. A lot of the kind of progressive, you know, forward pass that are looking to, you know, heads up, looking to make forward pass. I know he, I, I remember he, he did make one pass going forward, John Lundstrom, but again, it's it's kind of Dutch keep ball type stuff. He's comfortable doing that and whether that's going to be um, the recipe going forward, I've got my doubts. So, um, but look, needs must if, if, if John needs to come in and play some part, and I'm sure he'll do it. I assume that he's He's, he's no uh, hampered with this apparent injury that he's been carrying for a, a number of months. Then hopefully uh, he can play his part and, and, and uh, deliver or help his teammates and deliver on a, on a way back to And if you had to put a score on that victory, David, I'm going to have to date teammate. What, what, what would you go for? Uh, I think Habs will score. I think, I think we're, uh, we're lax at the back. I think we're also, I think that 
if their tails are up, we could be susceptible to concede a penalty. Uh, I've just got a feeling about that. I don't know. It's no based in anything. It's, it's, I say it's no based in anything. It's, it's based on the fact that there's been a lot of noise surrounding the fact that penalties don't seem to be given against Rangers. And then lo and behold, what happened after? Penalties given against Rangers. So uh, I can see Rangers conceding. I hope I'm wrong. I hope I'm wrong. But um, I think we'll, we'll nick it. Uh, I was tempted to say by the odd goal, but I think there might be a two-goal match. I'll, I'll go 3-1 Rangers. Three one, right? Well, David, one of the uh, first times I was on with you is uh, we were both guests. I don't know who was hosting, but it was just I think maybe Colin, just at a time when uh, Stephen Gerrard had left, and he said, uh, "You were, we were asking what, what we thought had to happen." I was like, "We better get a new manager in tomorrow, or else I was going to be hell to pay." You know, uh, I was just and you were like, "I think it would probably take about a week." You know, deal of due diligence, and we'll probably have Geo in by this. And I think he actually named the day that he was in. Um, and then I met you at Side Ibox a couple of times. You say with Colin, and you're like, How, how much longer do you think Gio's going? Me and Colin are going, I think he's fine. I, don't, I think he can turn this round, it's going to be fine. And he was away a couple of weeks later. So I've learned my lesson. I'm going to go 3 1 Rangers as well. Okay. <laughs> and that's my way of saying thanks very much <laughs> for your for your insight tonight, mate. Um, we better leave it there, folks. We'll try to have some uh, immediate kind of post match reaction for you tomorrow night. Uh, if any of us can actually see the game anywhere, I, I don't know if the VPN loyal of getting any tickets, but uh, failing that, John McCallum's going to be back on Friday night uh, with Stuart Weir as his guest to review uh, events at Easter Road and look ahead to Sunday's Scottish Cup quarter final with Wraith Rovers. And I'm, I'm really sorry for just putting Easter Road and Wraith Rovers in the same sentence as something I never want to do ever again. Uh, but David, thanks very much, mate. Thanks for joining us. No problem, Alec. And uh, I also want to say a big thanks to Brian Archer uh, for doing the, the production tonight. And uh, thanks to everybody out there for joining us. Thanks a lot, folks. Good night.